Thank you for joining us at Luminous Church. And this morning, we hope that you see Jesus clearly. Hey, regardless, we are so thankful that you are here. If you're in an uncomfortable folding chair, there's still some comfortable leather chairs with a recliner button. You should grab one. There's like one right here and one right here. And so you should get those. Anyway, hey, uh, man, it's so good to see you. I just want to invite you to Luminous Church. Elisa did that, but I want to talk about two services. And the reason we went to two services, obviously, we're full already. We're already full. And, and first service was almost full as well. So... I mean, I'm just telling you, I don't know what we're going to do. Maybe a third service. Or we'll just turn on a movie. Maybe we'll just turn on a movie. Third service is a movie. So uh, you might box office ticket out there. So, hey, um, so that's why we went to services. And we also want to create more opportunity for you to invite your friends and family. And so a lot of times, like us, we, we were at Chewy's last week, and we were talking to our waitress, Sam, and she was incredible. But she had to be at work at 11 o'clock, and so we told her about a 10 o'clock service, and she said, I can't do that. And we said, no worries, Sam. We are doing a 9 a.m. service. You can make that. So, Sam, we're waiting for you. We're waiting for you. Maybe you'll come. So, anyway, that's, that's why we do it. I want to talk to you about a popular, very popular story this morning, taking out the Bible. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, we're very familiar with this, but I really think that it has been one of our theme stories at Luminous Church. It's been one of those things that we revisit often because it, it displays our heart and more importantly, God's heart for us. And so that's where we'll be. As you turn in Luke 15, how many of you loved carnivals when you were a kid? Like, love carnivals, love merry-go-rounds, love, I mean, check this, I always wanted to go, like, on the Ferris wheel with, like, a smoking hot girl, you know, and then we go to top, and then we look at the moon and all that stuff. Never did it! And so I'm just waiting for that opportunity to capitalize with my wife on some secret romantic date nights, and so that's what we're going to do. Um, man, I love carnivals. I love that. I love where you just go round and round and round where you almost throw up, but you don't. You know, you like that feeling? And it's like, it's just a rush. I love it. So that's, that's what I love. I love all the eats. I love the funnel cakes. I love the turkey legs. I love, I love, what else do you love? Popcorn, roasted corn, fried Oreos, fried sneakers, fried pajamas, fried french fries. I mean, we just like everything fried. It's like the one place that paleo people get to cheat. You know, it's awesome. So we love carnivals. The thing that I loved when I was a little kid is I loved the cotton candy. The cotton candy was awesome because there was, there was choices. You could get blue or you could get pink, but I'm a boy, so I'm getting blue. And so we're going to get the blue cotton candy. And I knew if I just take this and eat it, man, it would be so delightful. But my mama always said, and maybe you're a mom or dad, and you tell your kid the same thing. It's like, you need to eat dinner first. You need dinner, dinner first. That's not going to fill you up. No, mom, it's going to fill me up. Look how big it is. It's huge. And, and I'm just going to eat that thing. And, and so I remember getting the cotton candy. And when you put it in your mouth, what happens? Mouth disappears. It is pretty deceptive, isn't it? Cotton candy is so deceptive because you think it's going to fill you up. You think it's going to be like this 
filling tree, but when you put it in your mouth, it's gone. And that's what we find in Luke chapter 15, is we find that, that the other side, everybody say other side. The other side is deceptive. You know, the grass always looks greener on the other side, and I think maybe it is greener, so I'm going to go explore and see what it looks like. The other side is so much more filling and so much more desirable, but I will tell you this, the other side is a lot like cotton candy. That when, when you look at it, you think it, prom it has so much promise. So many things, but when you actually get there, it dissolves and no substance. And this was the prodigal's problem in Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, verse 11. And he said that there was a man, just as Jesus talking, who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of those citizens of the country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods of the pigs that the pods of the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hard servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will rise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he rose and came to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him felt compassion. And he ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate for my son who is dead is now alive again. He was lost and is found and began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dance and he called out of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fat calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I may take it to celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is now found. Charles Dickens said that this, this is the greatest story ever written. And we've heard this story over and over and over again in our life, in our upbringing. Maybe you're churched or you're unchurched, but you've heard a story, a rendition of the prodigal son. You've heard this, and it, and it communicates so much. And I believe that there are three people in Luminous Church this morning. 
There's the ones who were like the prodigal son and they found themselves coming back to the father and embraced and they find themselves loved and blessed in the house of God. There are many people here this morning like that who are here for fellowship and encouragement and to win others to Jesus and to love him and glorify him and worship him. But then, but then there's this second group of people who were like the prodigal son, and they're still on the other side. It's like my friend that I met this morning as I was at Starbucks preparing for this message, reading over it, getting my heart ready. This guy asked me for a ride to downtown station to catch the bus. I said, absolutely, man. But before we do that, I need you to come at 7 a.m. and help unload our church trailer because we're about to have church, and then I'll take you. So, you know, it's crazy, you know, but he agreed. So he came, he hooked us on the boat, and then I took him to the bus station, and I pleaded with this man because, you see, this man was in a place where he was on the other side. He, he constantly thinks the grass is greener on the other side, giving himself to different substances and different things like that that are wrecking his marriage and wrecking his walk of life. But he's still like the prodigal where he's not quite ready to wake up. And you've been there, have friends like that? We all have, and we all see it. So maybe you're at that place this morning. Maybe I just asked you to raise your hand. You're like, why'd you do that to me? I'm sorry. But maybe you find yourself in a place like that. Maybe you find yourself as a prodigal in this distant country. Maybe you find yourself there. Or, or maybe you're like the third person. Grew up in church. Your mama dragged you to church, kicking and screaming. You went every day, and this is the rules, and this is the regulation, and this is what you're going to do. But instead of seeing it as a boundary of love, you saw it as a wall to keep you in. I'm telling you, maybe you're like that, and you've, you're so mad anytime anybody else gets favor in your life. Anytime somebody else gets the promotion at work, you, you grit your teeth, and you're like, all right, Maybe, maybe you find yourself like that where you are a law person and you live under the law and not love. My appeal to you today is that we would all get to a place of being embraced by the Father before we leave this house this morning. And if you are embraced by the Father and you're enjoying a great relationship with Him, my hope is that you would continue. Is that you would continue this walk. Jesus, as he's telling this story, he's appealing to two different people. In Luke 15, 1 and 2, it says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Jesus equates, equates this story with, with, okay, tax collectors and sinners, the worst of the worst. You, you may be like the prodigal where you think it's so fun out there, but actually your life is being destroyed. And then he talks to the Pharisees and scribes and said, you're like the older son. All these rules, all these regulations, you think you're better, you think you deserve it because you earned it. Came crashing down on them. The other side... The other side seems so fun sometimes. Yo, pastor, why are you trying to take away my joy? Yo, pastor, I'm fun. I like what I did last night. Yo, pastor, no regrets, right? YOLO, here we go. Maybe you find yourself like that this morning. Maybe, maybe you find yourself where you feel like 
man, I don't like these boundaries. I'm learning boundaries more and more as a father. More and more as a father, like, Benson, don't go out the front door without telling mom and dad. How many know that's a good boundary? How many know that Benson won't like that boundary at some point in his life? Like, yo, but hold me back. Boundaries are good. But the reason we have boundaries is because God loves you. He loves you and he wants to protect you and he wants what's the best for you. And yet, he's so loving, so gracious, that if you go out the front door, he'll let you. He's going to let you choose. I found myself in this discussion with this man this morning as I was dropping off at the Greyhound station. Something I've been doing a lot lately, not a lot of men like me. In fact, I'm losing a lot of friends because I just challenge them. It's like, hey, it's time to grow up. Time to be a man. Hey, you need to go back to your wife and reconcile this. And I pleaded with him. And I was like, Lord, what, what do I say in this moment? Like, leave me. Like, do I use the God test? Could work. Do I use, do I use the, the one verse evangelism? Or do I just say, bro, grow up. So we talked for a long time, and, and I don't think he's offended at me. I think he, he really knows Jesus. Introduced to a Christian life, placed his faith in Jesus, and yet, yet he comes back with this answer of, I believe in many gods. I said, the only person who believes in many gods doesn't want any accountability for what they're doing. Because now they don't have to answer anyone. So that's what's going on. We began to talk. Loved them, prayed for them. Texted him. He's on the bus home to Dallas. I said, go love your wife. See what happens. I'll send him this message. When you're on the other side, you have to wake up. And there's really two things that get us to wake up. It's a difficult circumstance or a difficult consequence. Those are the two things that are going to get us to wake up. How many of you hate alarms? My wife is hating alarms lately. Not because she sets them, but because I set them. And what do I do? I do what every man does. Snooze. 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 The alarm keeps getting louder, more annoying, and eventually my wife will just start kicking me. Like, get that alarm! I know there's built up frustration in her, so I'm just giving her permission to let it out. But we do that. We, we keep it in snooze and snooze and snooze. And I think when we're on the other side, when we find ourselves living for ourselves, what happens is the only thing that wakes you up is this epiphany moment, this aha moment, this moment says, hey, it's time to get up. And a lot of us have been hitting the snooze button. Yeah, God, freshman in college. Got to do my freshman year for me. <laughs> Some of you guys have been saying, get off the couch, play with your kids. Not yet. Cowboys. At the Cowboys. Got their fantasy. After this. After that. We find ourselves doing this, hitting the snooze button over and over and over again. We do it in the morning. And don't you hate yourself at the end of the day when you hit the snooze button so much? Like, for instance, like, you skip workout. You skip time with God. You skip breakfast. You skip the shower for five days. You skip all these things, right? <laughs> And eventually you go out the door, your hair is a hot mess, 
and you go and you're stuck in traffic and now you're mad at traffic because the person in front of you keeps letting other people in and so then you're just angry and your day is ruined. Is that true? Some of us are type A and don't even know what I'm talking about right now. I'll preach a message for you next week. But what I'm saying is, just keep you in the snooze. And it ruins your day. It's equated to hitting the snooze button in life when God is trying to get your attention. And as you try to wake up, and you don't, you begin to hate your life. You begin to hate your week. Hate your relationships. Hate where you are. And don't know how to get up. But the prodigal didn't do that. He rose. I will arise. Immediately went up and went an aha moment. A difficult circumstance would look a lot like 9-11 15 years ago that we just memorialized last week. When a 9-11 hit, I was a sophomore in college. And as a sophomore, I go into my classroom and no one is there. I was like, sweet, school is canceled. Let's go home. End up in the student center, and there are students, hundreds of students, just fixated on the news, saying, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what's happening. God help us. In that moment, it was a difficult circumstance. Crisis hit our nation. And no matter if you were far or near, it hit you and your family in a very personal way. And that next Sunday, churches were full. Never seen anything like it. Maybe you remember that. Maybe you were in church at the moment and, and they were packed. There wasn't a seat in the house in a small town in West Texas. Not a seat in the house. Because a crisis moment happened. A difficult moment happened. And we need answers. And so Every Nation Ministries, the church that we're a part of, the movement that we're a part of said, hey, we got to do something about this because the gospel always do, does something in the midst of difficult circumstances. Jesus moved on the midst of the difficult circumstance in your life. The gospel moves in difficult situations. And so we said, hey, we're going to go share the gospel. A week later, we were there sharing the gospel, crying with people, hearing their stories, mourning. And today, 15 years later, there's four Every Nation churches there as a result. People in relationship with Jesus because in difficult circumstances, it wakes you up. And also in difficult consequences. When you did that thing that you weren't supposed to do, and it cost you, it could cost your pocketbook, maybe it cost a relationship, cost a friendship, cost a marriage, a difficult consequence. And you're faced with an alarm. I'm going to get up. I'm going to wake up. There's worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. So that's what Corinthians says, 2 Corinthians 7.10. For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Whereas worldly sorrow, worldly grief produces death. The repentance of those who have life in Jesus said, I don't want the old country, the faraway country anymore. I want the new country. I want life in Jesus. They turned away. They repented. Those with godly sorrow, there's a godly consequence. And, and your wife's about to walk out on you. So, whoa, whoa, whoa baby, don't, don't walk out. We'll go to three counseling sessions. Oh, now we're good again. I'll just keep doing what I was doing. 
Well, sorrow, it, it's just temporary repentance, temporary grief, temporary sorrow never leads to change. So we find the prodigal son finds himself in a godly sorrow. And as we're in this story, we've heard it over and over again. The son runs to his father. The father has grace and loves him and embraces him. The older son grew up in church and was mad at the younger son. And he too needed to repent. John Ortberg says this, one of the hardest things in the world is to stop being the prodigal son without turning into the elder brother. How do you remain in attention? So you've heard this story. And a picture paints a thousand words. So you've heard it today. You've heard it before. But let's see the Father's love. That's our hope. That's our hope. It's our message. I'm a victim of that kind of grace and generosity. I fell victim to it when I was five years old. And God loves me. God loves you. He always has. He always will. There's a story about a college girl coming home to see her parents. She was going to surprise them. She gets in the car and she pulls up and she walks in and there her mom is sitting in a chair waiting for her. Mom, mom, how did you know? Daughter, I sit here every day waiting for you. I want to tell you, son and daughter, God is waiting for you. So maybe you never surrendered your life to Jesus and you find yourself like the prodigal in a distant land. Come home. Come home. Surrender your life to Jesus and come home. I beg you, I plead you, just like my friend at Starbucks. The challenge wasn't antagonistic. The challenge was, come home. Come home. I want you to come home. If you would stand with me this morning. And maybe you find yourself like the second child where you are embraced and you are loved and you know God. You have a relationship with Him. Your intimacy with Him looks better than most. Well done. Keep going. Keep growing. Maybe you're like the older son. You're just bitter that somebody's going to come home today. And really what it is, somebody's coming home today. They're going to the altar and they're surrendering their life to Jesus and saying, I'm coming home. I, I heard the alarm today on a Sunday morning and I'm coming home. I'm going to talk to somebody. I'm giving my life to Jesus. And you're sitting there like, they won't make it. They're not going to do it. Man. I wish that was me. Just got too many walls up. Break those walls off you. 
home. Come home this morning. If you've been doing religion but not relationship, come home. Jesus, we love you. Father, we just thank you for luminous. We thank you, God, for the people in this house. Jesus, who you've really been sounding the alarm saying, well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, my son and daughter. Well, well done. And for those who, who are hearing the alarm, I pray, I desperately pray, God, that the Holy Spirit would be so powerful, the Holy Spirit would be so great, that they wouldn't leave this morning without talking to someone saying, I'm ready to come home. Jesus, thank you. We love you. Amen. If you need prayer, don't let somebody distract you. Come get prayer right up here. Come get prayer. We love you. See you next week, 9, 10, 20. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To find out more about service times, giving, and community groups that meet throughout the week, please visit us online at luminouschurch.org.